Hello, and welcome to the Still To Be Determined podcast, the podcast that follows up on topics from the YouTube channel Undecided with Matt Farrell. I'm Sean Farrell. I'm a writer, and I'm the older brother of Matt, and with me is Matt. Hello. How is everybody doing? Before we get into this episode, I wanted to remind people that we have many ways to support the podcast. One of them is available at stilltbd.fm. On that page, you'll find a link to a tip jar where you can throw some coins in for us. It is greatly appreciated. Even if you don't do that, just listening, sharing, liking, subscribing. These are all very easy ways to support us. And we appreciate any kind of support that you give. Before we get into this newest episode, I'd like to jump on some comments on our last episode. James Britton helpfully pointed out that I mispronounced the name of Donnell in the last episode when I was talking about the movie About Time. Donnell, he points out, is spelled Dom-Null, but it's pronounced Donnell because it's Irish, and I appreciate his pointing that out. I also wanted to give a big shout out to James Dubbin, who wrote, Mechanical Engineer Idea. Flop the curtain over the open door, then close it. No licking required. James (laughs) is, of course, talking about the door that is behind me. People who are watching on YouTube will be able to see it and see the curtain. And in our last episode, Matt and I were discussing my difficulties with getting the window covered, which included trying to use suction cups to hold a curtain in place. And until James pointed out that I could just do what I have now done... There's nothing required. There's no tape. There's no suction cups. There's no need for those hooks with the little adhesives. I just opened up the door and put the curtain over the top and then closed it, which is a process I will now refer to as dubbing. So thank you, James Dubbin, for teaching me that invaluable lesson. Several people also weighed in. On our discussion from last week about shows that we always return to, the, the go-to show for background noise that just helps the, the days pass and helps calm the nerves when you're afraid. For Matt, it was Columbo, and for me, it was Rockford Files, and several of our listeners weighed in with shows like MacGyver and Star Trek. Oh, yeah. Those are two good ones. Both of those are, are really good ones. So today, we're going to be talking about Matt's most recent episode, which is the truth about hydrogen's dirty problem, Green Hydrogen Explained. This episode was released on April 13th, 2021. And Matt, I would just like to say that the number of hydrogen explosion puns that you had in your episode (laughs) just had me muttering, oh, the humanity. (laughs) Can I just explain? I have researchers and writers that help me now on a lot of these episodes. And are the, they helping the you? Guy that was, are they? What's funny is the guy that helped me with that, his name is Antonio. And he's really funny. He's in, he's in England. And I, I told him, I'm like, you know, I really enjoy the puns. I said, if you can come up with any good puns, put them in there. And when he, he, he came up with so many good ones, I was like, I got to leave these in because these are way too good and really bad at the same time. And I wanted to see how far I could push it. I may have pushed, I may have pushed it too far. <laughs> they kept, they kept, uh, popping up. I enjoyed them, <laughs> but they're, I also, they're eye rolling. They are eye rolling. Yeah. So hats off to you and your, and your writer. So one of the things that leapt out 
at me in watching your video was all the post-apocalyptic sci-fi tropes that you seem to be laying out the idea that people would be collecting scrap metal for rust to be able to somehow <laughs> make hydrogen make hydrogen and it just it just started to seem like these are are weird almost fantasy like mm-hmm. is there a point where as you're looking into this you start to think people simply aren't going to buy this is there is there a point where you're like, I know that I, what I'm looking at is true. I can look at this university's research paper. I know the university is real. I know these people are real. I know the paper is real. But my viewers simply aren't going to buy this. Now, that's actually the part of it that I love. It's like there's it's, it's these weird, it's like, are you kidding me? It's like somebody's actually figured out how to do that from rust or, oh, here's a solar panel that just pumps out hydrogen. What's up with that? It's for me, that's the coolest part. It's it's. It shows the thinking outside the box, doing things that you wouldn't expect. And hopefully it kind of like takes those blinders off of you and to see the potential of what's in the future. That's part of what I really love about it. Right. It's also clear uh, from your video that you view this as, and this is something we've talked about in previous episodes, there's no one path. This is a variety of fill in the gaps and as you kept referring to it, a bridge to get to Mm -hmm. another point. I'm curious about two things. Do you see from your research a scope of time that you think, okay, this will have a, a window of the next 40 years, 50 years, whatever it is, do you see a a window in the future that will be available to this kind of technology? And the other question is, do you see a place where this could have longevity beyond that window where there's, there's an obvious like, Oh, if this settles into this tech in this place in industry or in our society, it would have deep roots and it would hold on. You're talking about basically the the adoption curve of these different technologies, is right? How what you're getting at, like, yeah. yeah what, and all the research I've done, it's kind of like solar and wind are obviously taking off right now. They're they're the ones that are taking the lead, yeah. Uh, and they're definitely going to be here long term. Uh, but in my neighborhood, I'm seeing solar panels on buildings on almost every block now, exactly. which is interesting. In as solar panels started to become something that people were having on their homes in a city like New York, in, in an area like Brooklyn, where most people are renting, there's, it's not, you know, most people aren't owning their homes to start seeing them on the rooftops is very interesting. It tells you that the, the land, the, the owners of the building see longevity here. There's a need for it on their part. And the, the costs of that have, has been dropping precipitously and so it's like it's only it's going to get cheaper and cheaper and the technology is going to get better and better for efficiencies and there's going to be new ways to put solar panels like on windows on the sides of walls on the rooftops so it's like it's going to get easier and easier to do it so it's not going to go away it's here for the long term same thing for wind there's new technologies for wind turbines they're going to make it more accessible for residential as well as cities like you could start seeing little in like mini turbine things on the tops of buildings in new york so it's like, we're going to start seeing that eventually for things like hydrogen. That's 
it's a slow roll. <laughs> so it's like yeah. that that is going to take a while to get going up because it is so expensive right now to do green hydrogen and dirty hydrogen is still it's still not completely competitive with what solar can do. So it's like but right. in time it's going to become part of the mix. It may be like lagging behind by 10 or 15 years, but it's going to become part of the mix over the next probably 30 years. And then you've got things like fusion, which is the joke is fusion's always 30 years away. Yeah. <laughs> fusion at some point, at some point in the future will become a thing. Um, small modular nuclear reactors and thorium reactors are already starting to become a thing. So like hydrogen and small modular reactors, like 30 years from now will probably be more commonplace. And then 50 plus years from now, maybe we finally figure out fusion. So it's one of those, I don't see solar ever going away because it's just so cheap, so easy, so modular. It's like, we're already seeing car companies embedding solar panels onto cars. And so you could leave your car in your driveway and it can top itself off like 10 to 15 miles over the course of a day. It's like cars that may never need to be plugged in at some point. So it's like, that's part of the reason why I'd say solar is never going to go away, but it's, it's, I don't think one's going to kind of phase out as a new one comes in. I think it's just going to be a broad mix of whatever's the best, cheapest option for a specific task. Right. And so is there a area that you think hydrogen could settle into where it could have really long legs to, to be able to sustain itself? The thing I think it makes the most sense is think about all the scenarios where we have diesel generators for backup systems, like at hospitals. Um, I, I brought it, I, I've brought it up in different videos, but like there are countries that like that are so remote, they're not even part of a grid. And like those kind of areas where you could have basically portable power systems that you can just drop where you need them temporarily. Imagine like a humanitarian crisis happens. You bring in a bunch of diesel gen- generators. Well, now you'll be bringing a whole bunch of hydrogen generators that can just run off of clean energy. Um, massive transportation systems, like you're talking about massive trucks, uh, trains, planes, that kind of a thing. I think hydrogen has a potential to really kind of take root there and be the thing because batteries are really heavy. So if you to get enough energy for a plane, it's like okay, we can hold four people in this plane and it weighs as much as the 747. Let's go. (laughs) Where hydrogen, it's going to be much lighter and you're going to get a lot more energy density in there. So you can actually replace, hopefully you can replace regular uh, fuel with hydrogen. So it's like, that's the kind of areas where I see it potentially taking off. No pun intended. Do you know if there's any, do you know the comparison between something like diesel and hydrogen as far as the amount of fuel it takes to create a certain amount of energy if you had like a generator is it more hydrogen at this point than it would be diesel fuel there is more energy in hydrogen i can't remember the exact it's like there's like if you if you put it into the terms of electricity in hydrogen per kilogram it's something like 33 uh kilowatt hours uh, of energy and in diesel i think it's like it's half that i can't remember off the top of my head what it is so it's like hydrogen has just much more energy density than diesel so, so in theory you could have half as much hydrogen and get as much cor- correct energy production um, the, the question right now though is cost it's like right diesel is still cheaper to make right now than hydrogen but eventually as we perfect green hydrogen and the systems and the fuel cells that will run with it. It's like, it's going to drop and eventually will pass diesel. It's just, we have to be patient for that to, to happen. 
Yeah, I asked that because this was a question that was raised by Ty's Baker on the last episode of your channel. He wrote, the video is quite informative about the production of hydrogen, but I do miss the storage part. This is, as far as I know, the main concern for its feasibility as a general fuel. Of course, hydrogen is used today for certain applications and making it renewable is important, but the link from renewable creation to broad utilization does skip over the quite significant storage problem. That got me to thinking along the lines of, of what we were just talking about, things like generators and things like that, or mm -hmm. aircraft, ships. Um, but if you're talking about storage capacity being able to be the same as or even less than something like diesel fuel it starts to become something where you can you can envision it in a better way than without that ability to compare i was thinking in terms of like well a hydrogen vehicle like a bus are we talking about a bus that can only run for a third as long as one that burns gasoline but, right. but it does seem like there's a feasibility there that would actually be an improvement. Not only could it be clean, potentially, years down the road, not only could it be clean, but it could be more efficient and lighter than a current vehicle. Yes. Yeah, the, the storage aspect, um, one of the things I can't touch on the video is it's volumetric density. It, it's, a, it's a gas. Yeah. So it's like if you if you don't compress it, yeah, you could run a ship off of it, but the tank is going to be almost half the size of the ship right? because this is so biometric. Uh, so you have to find ways to liquefy it and compress it to make it much smaller um, volume-wise to make it really competitive. And that is part of the challenge. I didn't bring it up, but there are solutions for that kind of a thing and they're getting better. So it's I, I wouldn't, I didn't bring it up because it didn't seem like the major tripping point to it. And to go back to diesel, and dirty or gray hydrogen it's still cleaner than diesel so like even producing uh hydrogen the dirty way is still cleaner than making diesel and burning it so it's if if we're con concerned about the environment dirty hydrogen is still better than diesel but it's more expensive so right now diesel still has the edge because of cost right and then there's also the the added costs of transitioning to hydrogen so you'd be looking at yes. those initial costs, which would be extremely expensive. And I can imagine nobody's willing to pull that trigger because what if hydrogen doesn't last? So it would be money spent <laughs> to yes. then switch to a fuel source, which might be outclassed by other options 10 or 15 years from now. It's, it's kind of sad because it's like companies like Toyota and Honda are like the only car companies in the world right now they have not given up on hydrogen. Like every other co company's like, not going to happen. And they're all going battery. And Toyota's like, no, no, this is our ball. We're going home. And they're not giving up on hydrogen. But they seem to be reluctantly acknowledging passenger cars are going battery. But they're not giving up on things like buses and heavy transport. So it's like there definitely is a, a viable path for hydrogen. It's like it seems like some companies like Mercedes and other companies are still seeing that as a path and are still going that direction but once again it's like you got the tesla semi coming out and if suddenly we start seeing trucks that are going battery and they're working just great we may see that, that path for hydrogen start to evaporate and so it's kind of right. like they, they got to move fast or there is a chance that they could lose out certain markets another comment by balaji kr he touched on something i think that that lined up with part of your videos 
discussion of solar solar panel creation of hydrogen. Mm-hmm. And he raised this point. You did not mention Lavo, L-A-V-O, a company which has created a power wall kind of system for your house with green hydrogen generation. I wondered yep. if you had heard of Lavo and if you had any thoughts. Yes, I have. It. Yeah, no, I, they are very, I, I heard about them a couple months ago for the first time. Um, they made a little bit of a big splash on the home energy market. It's in Australia. Um, it's a really interesting system and I've been digging into it. I've been thinking about doing a video on them, but it's, it's essentially a power wall that it just uses hydrogen. And, uh, the way they break down the costs is they basically say they're in price parity or even better depending on the situation. Um, that's the part I've been trying to kind of dig into more to see, is it true or is it hype? Like, so I'm still kind of digging into it for myself, but it's very, very interesting to see. Honest to God, Australia is the country. If I was going to point my finger at any country in the world that is like just leading the world as far as being uh, innovative when it comes to sustainable tech, it's Australia. They just, (laughs) they're ahead of pretty much everybody in solar. They're ahead of everybody in home energy storage. They're ahead of everybody in virtual power plant systems. They're just like, they're killing it. And part of the reason for that is they have to, because they are their backs are up against a wall in a way that a lot of countries aren't. And so they've had to be more innovative with this. Like they're running out of fresh water. So they're kind of leading the charge on desalination plants. They're, you know, they've had major grid energy issues. And so they've been building out massive battery storage plants and virtual power plant systems. So it's like, it's not that they're desperate, but it's interesting to see how like, you know, necessity is the mother of invention and it's making Australia kind of a, a leader in the, the space. Do you know what the major sources of their energy are prior to this push for solar? And I, I, I think it was coal. I can't remember if it was coal or not. I'd have to look it up. I don't remember offhand. So they were, but they were doing something that would have had a major carbon footprint. They were doing something like yeah. burning something for energy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which then has the added costs of sourcing that fuel and whether that yeah. was actually in Australia or not is also question i know that australia has a history of having to bring a lot of things to it and the costs and expenses with that are are something that have impacted their society for a while yep another comment from alexander rim this one he says excitedly matt matt (laughs) have you heard about the solar dome project taking place in neom on saudi arabia I'd really like to hear what you think about it. Are you aware of the yeah. solar dome? Yes. I'm a, I'm a very aware of the whole Neom project, which is, it's really trippy if you don't know what it is. It's they're basically building a city that's essentially a straight line that goes on for, I can't remember if it's like 100 kilometers. It's like, it's this going basically from the sea, just like across, down the coastline, a straight line. And the concept is they're building a city like this because it will reduce like, transportation system needs you can basically build an underground you know imagine a subway line that's just like a high speed line that just goes a straight line back and forth back and forth back and forth so it reduces the need for cars it reduces your energy needs all the buildings will have like solar panels and they'll be doing things with hydrogen and all this crazy stuff um it's it's being led i believe by the crown prince i think he's the one that came up with the concept um and not to not to back on it 
but I think it's more hype than reality. Mm. Uh, personally, based on everything I've read, um, there's a lot of cool things. If they can pull it off, it's going to be astonishing. But I just have a lot of doubts they'll be able to pull it off like they're planned because it's the costs are going to be so out of line as to what you're going to get out of it. Um, as far as a city and building a city in a straight line, it's like, is that really going to going to work? <laughs> it's a, a city a in a straight line unknowns. seems like an odd choice. It, you would think a city that was in a circle, therefore every there's, every point in the city would be equidistant from. There's the a, there's a city point, engineering, but yeah, yeah. If you're making a, great a city in a straight line, the, if you live all the way at the south, that's a long trip to get to the other end of the city. The civil engineering of the design is like there are cities that are built in circles and rings that you kind of like a spoke and hub system that's been very well documented over centuries. And then now that this one is as a unique take because you build it in a straight line and then you can kind of fork off of it if you need to, but it's like nobody's done this. And then on top of that, you're going to do this crazy sci-fi renewable future. It's going to look like the Jetsons kind of stuff that they're talking about doing. The costs to pull this off are going to be exorbitant. Yeah. And so it's kind of like, is it really worth all of that? Or is there a more effective, cheaper option that you could have done? Um, time will tell. I'm, I'm just dubious that it's going to turn out as well as they're saying it will. Andrew Bauer wrote... It might be one of the controversial hydrogen sources Matt mentions at the end of his video, but there's a company in Calgary trying underground steam reforming, leaving the CO2 in the ground and producing pure hydrogen cheaply from oil fields. Is that something that you touched on in your research? Yeah. Yeah. It's there's, I'm not a fan of that kind of stuff because it's like, uh, like don't look under the carpet. <laughs> aspect of that kind of yeah. kind of thing it's like makes me kind of like that's not that doesn't seem like a good solution um yeah yeah but that's the kind of stuff i came across would they be claiming that's a green hydrogen or would that be a blue mm -hmm. the a lot of them a lot of these kind of companies claim that they're green because they're not adding to the co2 or the greenhouse gases in the atmosphere the problem is you're just sequestering it and what if it leaks what if it uh, leaks yeah it's like there's all this stuff of what what is the ramifications of that happening underground it's like what's going to happen three decades after that's been under there for a while there's all these questions that come up as to like what the impacts are so that's part of why it's kind of controversial mm -hmm. but it's more it's probably more blue than um green the last comment i want to read about the video itself is from mayank jiraj who wrote you released the same video about green hydrogen as tech for Luddites. Have you heard of that channel? I've heard of that channel, but I have not seen that video. His question was, do you guys time it or what? And then he winky face. So <laughs> no. what's funny is there's something there's not to be make a pun, but there's something in the air. Yes. It's like, there's a lot of talk about hydrogen going on right now. You've it's, made a couple of bad puns during this recording, which I, I have let and it's pass. unintended. They're, yes. they're unintended. I swear to God. But it does take us to the next comment, which is from Winnetow17, who wrote, I think that at this point, you can safely rename your channel Undecided with Matt Dad Jokes Farrell. <laughs> then you won't have to apologize anymore. Yes. I think that uh, Winnetow is onto something there. Yes, I think he is. And then one final question, and this is shot directly at you. Yeah. This is from Boo Wembo, who just has a simple question. What did you study to be 
doing what you're doing on YouTube? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The truth of the matter is I am completely unqualified for doing what I'm doing. It's, uh, yeah, no, I did not, I did not study science. I did not study math. I'm horrible at math. Always have been. So it's, it's part of the reason I didn't go into science, even though I love science. Uh, yeah, no, I did not study anything to do with this. I, I, I was a theater minor. Let's put this into perspective here. <laughs> yeah, no, I studied, I studied writing and communications and video production and audio production, that kind of side of things. And then my curiosity is around science. So it's just my personal just interests combined with video production. I so, think yeah. your curiosity is enough. I think curiosity and your willingness to actually go to sources and do the research and do comparisons of, of information to be able to analyze it is all the qualification you need to be able to say the things you're saying. So hats off to you for being able to put in the time. I also have that curiosity. I'm just incredibly lazy. <laughs> yes. So I yep. let Matt do the hard lifting. As usual, for the second half of the show, we'd like to move to some television and movie recommendations, things that we're using to pass the time as we wait for our vaccinations to kick in. And Matt, I'm flipping a coin. Quick, call it. It's in the air. Heads. It is heads. You get to go first. All right. Uh, just a quick follow-up. I'm still on my Columbo kick, and I have caught up to the most recent episodes of Invincible, the show I talked about, that show is getting better and better with each episode. Strongly recommended still. Um, which leads me to the two other things I started watching, one of which is a don't watch this recommendation. <laughs> and the other one, which is you might want to watch this. And they're both kind of sci-fi fantasy shows. And on Netflix uh, is where they both are. The first one, <laughs> you'll be like... Matt, why are you watching this? This was background viewing, like on the background, half watching it. Uh, Fate, the Winx Saga. And I believe it's based on a series of books. It's kind of like, it's a probably a teen book series that's in the, uh, not Harry Potter, but like, uh, what's the other one that was very popular movie series? Rick Royden's, um The The Olympus. There's that one. It's like there's a whole bunch of this yeah, kind of yeah. milieu of this this teen angst coming of age. It's a fantasy. You know, there's like the vampires and stuff like that. This one is about fairies and it's in and the other worlds. Like the first world is what where we live on Earth. And then there's like seven or eight other worlds. And this takes place like it's like Harry Potter going through the little you know train station ending up at Hogwarts. It's like it's that kind of thing where it's like these teenage it's sent around a girl who has this backstory and this kind of secret about her life that she was actually adopted and she thought she wasn't and she's got these fairy powers and she's a learning her powers, but she's late to the game because she didn't even know she had powers. So she's a 16-year-old girl that's discovering that she's a fairy and discovering this whole world that she knew nothing about and all these kids that are there have been doing stuff their entire lives so they have a leg up. Um. <sighs> This, this is where it's kind of like, you'll be like, why are you watching this? Because I'm going to be bagging on it so bad. The The show is, I love the world building of the show. 
I love, I love fantasy. I love this kind of stuff. And the part of the reason I put up with the badness is because I just like the overarching tale that's being told, but the details of the characters are beyond bad. I mean, they are like in the first three episodes, it's kind of like, I don't know. This is kind of like, oh, what are they doing here? It's a little weird with these characters and how they're portraying them. And then by like two thirds of the way through the show, I actively, actively hate the heroine. Like the, the lead of the show, her character is the character I hate the most. And the secondary characters I actually like. And it's one of those shows where it's like, clearly they, if they took it from a book, which I believe they did, they, they've taken shorthand because fans of the book will watch this show and they skim over character development. Like you have a heroine. Why does everybody like this character? You know, in a, in a good show, you see why people like that character, why they're drawn to that character. And you have that. In this, they've done none of that. It's just all these girls are suddenly willing to basically risk their lives to help this girl. And it's like, and this girl is a whiny, whiny little kid that just me, 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 and shows no, no genuine like empathy for other situations. And she will like turn on a dime for you're her best friend. And then suddenly she's like, hates you because she heard like, you know, the gossip kind of stuff. It's just like this, it's so stretches believability that anybody would like this character because they've shown me nothing. And it's show, don't tell, show, don't tell. They haven't even told me why people like her. So it's, it's just one of those, <laughs> she just comes across as this whiny character. It's like, I want nothing to do with you. And these secondary characters are great. And it's like, why do you even like this girl? It, make, it makes no sense. So that part of the show is awful it's in it, by the end of the show is almost unwatchable at moments because of how bad the shorthand was they were skipping over important character beats probably because they had too much to cover from the books and they were just like skipping and skipping and skipping and they shouldn't have done that they shouldn't have done that but the overarching story is really cool it's really a cool story and i love the world they're building and there's other characters i've kind of really gotten into so it's like if you want to hate watch something you might want to watch the Wink Saga. Uh, I really hope it doesn't get picked up for a second season because the people who made the show should be embarrassed. It's really, it's bad. <laughs> yeah, so there's that. Then the second thing was, which is a polar opposite, is a German show on Netflix called Tribes of Europa. And this show, it's basically after the fall of civilization on the earth. Something happened in the, like I think it's like 2029, where there's like some mass, massive blackout that happened that basically knocked humanity off of technology and just threw everything disruption. And now it's 2074, I think it is. And like everything is tribes where it's like in Europe, there's like five or six tribes across Europe. And it, there's an aspect of it that if you've ever played the game Horizon Zero Dawn, there's a, there's a strong vibe of Horizon Zero Dawn to me in this because the main characters are from a tribe that is one with the earth and they have we want nothing to do with technology and they don't care about whatever else is going on in the world it's like we're just going to be one with the earth and we're just going to you know live our life and they literally have bows and arrows and crossbows and a few people have guns and that's it it's like they just live off the land and you know they're the good people they're the good tribe and then there's all these other tribes that look like you know, the sprockets in Germany kind of thing, like this, like, t like broken techno kind of weird tribe that's really nasty and stuff like that. So it's, there's a really cool world building going in this show too. Um, 
but unlike <laughs> Wings, I've only watched one episode, but the character building already is really good. There is some standard tropes you see with like, oh, there's this little kid. Oh, he's going to wander off by himself and get in some trouble. And it's like, and he got into trouble. So there's a little bit of the that kind of thing to the show that's a little irritating because it's like if you're if you're into dissecting shows like this, you pick up on those tropes pretty quickly, but it's executed very well. And the dubbing is act for English is actually pretty good. So you don't even have to watch it with subtitles. I recommend checking it out. It's it's a it's an interesting show. I don't know if it's going to hold up, but it's got a very good uh, rating and review on Rotten Tomatoes and IMDb. So it seems to be like it's a it's a well liked show and I'm enjoying it so far. It's it's the polar opposite of Wings. <laughs> so. so that's a thumbs down on Fate, the Wink saga. Yes. And a thumbs up on Tribes of Europa. A tentative thumbs up. A tentative it keeps thumbs going up. the way it's going. It's 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 very interesting. Your discussion of fate reminded me of a lot of my feelings about some of the earlier seasons of the show of Magicians, which oh, yeah, was yeah. a sci-fi show that is now it's now available on Netflix and its final season was the most recent one, which I think it's the fourth season. Um originally based on a series of books and apparently I've never read the books, but apparently very early on in the series, the the first season was apparently close to the books and then it deviated and the deviation ended up rescuing the show for a lot of people mm-hmm. um, because it got away from the sorts of problems you're talking about. A, a main character who was seen as why would people be willing to help this person? And the storytelling got stronger as the show went on right up to the point where in this season, that character doesn't even appear. So it's Hmm. at this point now characters are dealing with the fact that he's not around and it really makes for some very compelling compelling storytelling because now you have these characters who are dealing with combinations of loss and also the idea of a hero, the, the foretold hero, and they are now looking at each other and saying, is that us? So it's, that uh-huh. creates some interesting, some interesting moments in the storytelling. The things I wanted to talk about were, uh, just to touch base on something that Matt brought up a few episodes ago, which is Falcon and the winter soldier. I've been watching that and give a very strong thumbs up on that. Um, I think it's doing a remarkable job of, telling a story again, similar to what I just discussed with the magicians. Um, the show being about people looking around saying, how do you fill the void left by captain America when he is no longer here? And the people who try to fill that void, either feeling that they don't deserve it, they could never earn it. Or in fact, they shouldn't fill it because they could become part of the problem. And it wrestles with, as Matt talked about when he brought it up previously, it brings up race in America in a very, very interesting way. And, Mm -hmm. and it really strikes me as a show where a lot of very careful thought consideration has gone into the story that they're going to tell. And Mm -hmm. I'm very, very impressed by it. I also wanted to talk about a show, which is a new show on HBO max, which is called made for love. And this Matt, I think will fall into your wheelhouse because it's basically about Neuralink. 
Really? Yes. It is a <laughs> dark comedy. It stars Krista Milioti, who is an actress who every time I see her, I like her more and more. It also stars Billy Magnuson, who is a character actor who I've seen in a number of things for a couple of years. His parts have been getting larger and larger, and he now plays her husband in this. So he's a major character. He's also the villain, and he's effectively playing uh, an Elon Musk character who heads a company named Goggle. Google, I'm sorry, I mispronounced it. Google, which is Google without the second O. Yeah. Um, and he's developed a Neuralink device, which is being promised as the thing. It is made for love. It is going to be the thing that ties you to your partner so that you will become one mind. There will no longer be a separation between a loving couple. You will now share thoughts. You will share emotions. You will know exactly what the other person is going through. What could go wrong? What could go wrong? And the setup of the show is he and his wife, played by Kristen, live in effectively a, a prison of his own making. He's created an artificial reality home where on the inside of this structure, you are given the illusion through virtual reality technology of being outside. So they're actually living indoors constantly, but it looks like they're outside. And it is clearly an unhappy marriage that is pasted over with false fronts. And she just wants out. She has been a prisoner in her own home for 10 years. She wants to get away and she's looking for that chance. And the show starts with her actively getting away and then tells the, the, 24 hours leading up to her escape in flashback. And it's not giving anything away to say that trying to get away from a person who has the ability to track and monitor pretty much anybody around because of the aspects of technology that he has access to mm -hmm. puts her in a precarious position. It is a show similar to search party, which I've talked about previously. Yeah. where the tone is dark. It is a breaking bad style of storytelling, but it is told comedically. So there are moments of very dark humor. Her desperation to get away is portrayed not in a clownish way, but with, with a nuance and a subtlety to the humor that is like search party where people doing bad things for what they think are very good reasons. So, mm -hmm. I think it's very interesting. I think it plays with the sci-fi aspects that are currently popping up all around us. The stuff that you talk about in your channel is effectively mm -hmm. the world that this show takes place in. And it reminds me very much of a comedic version of the show Devs, which was something we okay, talked yeah. about in the past, which was a show about the creation of a virtual reality in which aspects of the real world could be duplicated in perfection so that you could effectively alter reality. You could create that, that world in a box that you could then go into and fix the things that you thought were wrong with our current world. And this is kind of taking that and turning it on its head where it's 
the person is creating a system to be able to not correct the world, but to correct the people in the world through this right. neural link technology. And unlike devs, which is told very seriously, this is told comedically, but it feels very much of the same cloth. It feels like a similar tone and I really like it. So I recommend made for love and I strongly recommend Falcon and the winter soldier. And, uh, if any of our listeners have any experience with any of these programs that we've talked about, we'd love to hear what you all think about it. Please be sure to let us know. You can tell us what you think by reaching through the contact information. It's available in the podcast description. It's also available right below this video on YouTube. You can jump into the comments there. Please don't forget to subscribe. You can subscribe through any podcast provider or through YouTube. A reminder, we do have a way to directly support the podcast. You can visit stilltbd.fm. You'll see the support the podcast link there, and then you can throw some coins in the jar. You can also subscribe either to the podcast or to the YouTube channel, viewing and leaving comments, leaving us a rating. All of these things help the channel. We appreciate any support that anybody gives in any form, including leaving the ratings, reviews, and sharing us with your friends. All these things really do help the podcast. The podcast helps the channel. The channel helps Matthew. And then Matthew won't stop punishing us. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you next time.